I'll Make You Pancakes podcast, where hospitality comes with hotcakes, with your host, Kenesha Fisher. So hello there, all you crepe crusaders out today, tuning in to hear all the craziness that I have to say. Thanks so much for tuning in. You all are already incredible, in case you didn't know that, I just wanted to tell you. I have a phenomenal guest today who happened to bring a tiny squish baby with her. So, you know, all all my uh, my life's goals were fulfilled. I got to hold a baby this morning who looked at me like I probably owed him money, which is fine. So the person we're bringing to the table today is Jenny Sullivan. Good morning, friend. How you doing? Good morning. I'm doing great. How are you? I am fantastic. I cannot complain. Thank you so much for coming in, uh, sharing your thoughts with us this morning. Thank you for bringing me your squishy little baby because he's pretty perfect. You're doing a great job. Over here just raising second baby, doing the best you can, keeping him alive. That's that's the best I can, <laughs> keeping him alive. That's the best I can Talk do. about it, Hudson. He's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't know if she's doing, I don't know how great she's doing, but she's all right. So <laughs> thanks so much. We, usually what we do is we have, it's okay, buddy. He's like, no, no, it's not okay. This is terrible, actually. He's like, so it's my turn to talk. Hudson is definitely fighting, trying to take a nap right now because I think he thinks we're going to have a party if he goes to sleep, which is fine. I agree with him. We might have a little bit of a party. So first and foremost, we're going to start right this breakfast because I had to make you some breakfast this morning. That's the rules of the podcast. Uh, I know you're kind of leaning off the dairy to keep the kiddo from exploding. So glad I could had some almond milk on hand to throw it down for you. So we rate our breakfast here by pats of butter. So one pat of butter means... Um, you would be afraid if I put it in my dog's bowl. Uh, five pats of butter means there's a good possibility that you may just show up tomorrow for breakfast and pretend like you're one of my kids. So I get to eat a meal without somebody asking me for bites, mm-hmm. and there were also accoutrements to the meal. Nice. I'm going to definitely go with five. Woo-hoo! So if you hear somebody knocking on the door tomorrow, <laughs> don't be alarmed. I'll just come in and make myself at home and wait for pancakes. <laughs> it's fine. That is incredible. Thanks so much. I'm glad you loved it. Loved it. Breakfast is definitely my jam, so I got to make it for everybody else. So you have brought some really interesting topics to the table. I I think they couldn't be more, you know, far left and right. So we're going to jump right into the first one there. And we're really going to talk about something that means so much. It's different for every single person on the planet. You can't fine tune it to you. You you can believe the same things as some people and still have marked differences. But we're going to talk a little bit about God, because why not? Um... I think the great thing is, is so many people, I could talk about this subject with every single person and I'm going to have differences across the board. So you get to be the first one to bring it to the podcast and I'm pretty sure someone else will bring a thought process in the future, but I really want to know the focus of how God transforms along with you as you grow, ebb, flow in your life and as your situations change, who does God get to become to you? So talk a little bit about just your overall thought process of why you even wanted to bring that to the table. So I wanted to bring that to the table because it has been something that I've seen you talk about Mm -hmm. comfortably. um, And it's something that I'm very comfortable talking about. (laughs) Hudson is also very comfortable talking about God. Yeah. Um, And it has been something that has obviously had a big impact in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you'd asked me 10 years ago, what I thought about it, it would be dramatically different. I might laugh in your face 10 years ago. Um, And now it's totally different. I used to refer to myself as a recovering Catholic, as so many people do. And now now we've we've gone back to to church, and and that's fine. And if you'd told me years ago that was going to happen, I wouldn't have believed it either. Um, And I think everybody is born with an idea of God. Mm -hmm. 
I've had a lot of experience talking about God. Um, some people aren't comfortable calling God God mm-hmm. uh, because what happens is in our childhood, someone has impressed upon us an idea of God. Correct. So it might be the man nailed to the cross. Mm-hmm. It might be this big glowing being in the sky. Some people have healthy ideas of God from their childhood. Some are unhealthy. Correct. Some are beneficial and some are hurtful. Um, and some people don't have any idea. Maybe they were raised without God. Um, and that's fine, too. It's mm-hmm. You can be an excellent person without any concept of a higher power. Hands that's, down. That's my... That's a fact. It's my take on it. That's the word. Um, so when I was small, it, a really helpful exercise for me has been to make a timeline of maybe like five-year increments or three-year increments if you're a little bit younger to see what your God was like. And if I really think about it as a child, um, I was raised, I went to Catholic school through third grade. And so I just had this very loose idea of God, that God was loving and there were pictures to color and we went to church and I was really ready for that Eucharist Mm -hmm. and I got it and I was really curious as to why I was ready for that, why I wanted that. You had questions. Yeah. Um, And so the concept that I had as a child was more like a Santa Claus God, where if if I did really good things, God was going to reward me. Makes sense. Um, And that wasn't that wasn't wrong. That wasn't, there was nothing wrong with that. Was it something that somebody tried to impose on me? No. Did we go to church? No. But I will say that I missed that. I missed my friends having, what's it called? Youth group. Mm -hmm. And I would get really resentful. Like, why don't we get to do that? Well, you know, you grow up and you learn why. Um, And we were talking before this started that there are other people who have, or there, there's this idea that God is a genie and that you just put the lamp on the shelf and when you really need something, you don't pay attention to it. You don't acknowledge it. You don't use it. But when something happens and you're down in that foxhole, you grab that lamp and you pray really, really hard and you say, oh, God, if you just get me out of this, yeah. I'll bargain and mm-hmm. I'll do these things for you. Um, and that God is something I can identify with as I got a little bit older. I have distinct memories of laying in bed as probably a, I don't know, maybe seventh or eighth grader, when when something big in my life was going on, and looking at the lamp or the ceiling fan or listening to the radio or whatever, and saying, "If you're there, God, yeah, if you're there, show me." Kind of testing the waters, right. seeing if there was right. a response prove, of some sort. Yeah. Prove to me, God, mm-hmm. that you exist, and nothing happened. And so I have a distinct memory of, of that time. Which is why, I mean, I can tell you what my room looked like, what blanket was on my bed, what was going on, and remembering, or, and realizing there must not be a God, because mm-hmm. God didn't, God... There wasn't this booming, I yeah. am here, my child yeah, thing. Yeah, he wasn't a successful genie mm-hmm. for me. Um, and so I turned away for, from God for a long time, and then um, <clears throat> learned more about organized religion and had my own thoughts and feelings about that and got into college and turned away from everything spiritual. Yeah. Not everything, but everything healthy, spiritual. Yeah. Um, and, and then some different things happened in my life and I don't hide that I'm, I have no problem saying that I'm sober. Um, but when I was living that life before getting sober, I made other things my God. Yeah. So, men and money, food, exercise, uh, people, 
I don't think you even have to be in a compromised uh, mental or emotional space to do that. I think people do that when they're when they're healthy or when they've always been sober to some effect, just because it's easy to do. It's really easy to do. Right. Well, you think about like, what is God for me today? And so a lot of people understand God to be this comforting presence in their life. If you're if you have a real good connection with God, alcohol was that for me. Yeah. I mean, that was my solution to any so all the problems. Yeah. Right, right. And um, so that worked out. It worked well for me for a while, and then it didn't. Yeah. And when it stopped working well for me, I had, and, and it was, and I took it away, I had what we call like a, oh my goodness. <laughs> about that. No, you're fine. Uh, I had what we call like a God-shaped hole, mm-hmm. and I would try to fill it again with men, money, food, whatever, um, or other people and vindication and validation from humans yeah. and not from a higher power. And then when I finally got to that place where maybe I'm not alone, maybe maybe there is a God and that's okay, things started to look really different. So when I, at that point, I, I was 21 and I had this idea that like I knew everything. Because when you're 21, you know. Hands down. Everything. Obviously you do. I'm brilliant. No question. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd taken enough psychology classes to know about this theory of the unmoved mover. So let me get let me get really twenty one. Theory on of the mm-hmm. unmoved yeah, mover. Pretty sure it's Plato. So it's the idea. Yeah, you don't you don't have to laugh at me. <laughs> no, it's just <laughs> laughing at people in general it's because serious. we're nuts. Yeah, it's, it's serious. Fine. It is. So I uh, I knew that science could explain everything back to a certain point. So the theory of the unmoved mover is basically, and I'm probably wrong, and somebody will probably correct me. But it's at the beginning of, of everything, before the Big Bang, some unknown force splits that first atom. Some, yeah. Something pushes everything forward. And that literal atomic belief that I don't know how to explain that was my conception of a higher power. Understandable. And that was enough for me. That was enough of a baseline for me to start a spiritual journey. Gotcha. To admit that, you know what, I don't know everything which is really hard when you're 21 to say, mm-hmm. I don't know everything. So I had to, I literally had to take it to that, that Ooh. smallest level. Ooh, you had to get it all the way back. But it yeah. makes sense because like to add to your thought process, for me, I have the opposite. I was raised in a very, very conservative, conservative Christian household um, to the point where, you know, there's rules, there's regulations, there are, there was a lot of busy work in the particular organization that we were aligned with and there were there were enough consequences to keep you where you needed to be now mind you my parents you know went into this organization when I was around three years old they made that decision for me that's what you're supposed to do as a parent you are supposed to provide a foundation for your child whether that's emotional mental physical or spiritual and they did a phenomenal job like I have phenomenal parents who really poured into me from an early age and said this is what we believe. This is our standard. This is how we move forward. So for me, God was very real. From a very early age, I was consistently studying. There was always something to take in to get more knowledge. Uh, right around 15 years old, I was baptized. That was the next step. And this baptism takes their steps. Like you have to read a particular amount of material. You have to answer enough questions. You have to know what you know what you know in order to be baptized in this particular faith. And that's always like so alarming to other people because while it while there's a claim of, you know, it's faith based, it's a gift. There was there still felt like there was something I needed to do. It very much mirrored kind of a Catholicism works feel. 
which for if that's your belief, that's fine. But I think as I got older and really started to see things that I didn't agree with, such as, um, you know, a belief system that only so many people have certain things, the, the, the interpretations didn't fly with me very well. Right. And I like to delve into, you know, other thought processes. Why do you believe that? How do you believe it? How do you come to that thought process? I have friends of every single religion, every single background, uh, even people who don't believe in God, which... I'm fine with that. I'm perfectly fine with it. But it's funny because the people that I talk to who don't believe in God, like I have a really close friend and she has said, you know, the more we pretty much the more we sit around and have a glass of wine together, the more we're able to see how common our interests and our thought processes really are. She just doesn't associate it with the word God. And that's okay. So the ebbs and the flows of who God is for different people perfectly normal I think everybody goes through that even the Christian even 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 Christians or whatever other religion you have that start out as a youth and that's what they've always believed that's what they've always been told I think if you don't have some type of change from five-year-old oh <laughs> sorry little dude he agreed he's like I agree I shall belch manly like so even in all different religions I think at some point you have to have a change your five-year-old God is not the same at 50. You've been through enough life experiences to where things ebb and flow. And so you said for you personally, right around this 21-year-old age, you get your first real, okay, I have to go back to, because my belief system can't prove anything else. There has to be a higher power for me. There has to be a higher power that's governing all of this, or at least started all of this. Where do you go from there? So my first belief in God. My first idea kind of goodness, <laughs> just gotta get it all out. Um, my first conception of a higher power definitely looked a lot like it did as a child. Yeah. This glowing beacon and all things good and powerful and what I thought what I thought I was supposed to think mm-hmm. a higher power looked like. I have a friend named Jessica who would say that, you know, <clears throat> she couldn't really get with the Bible but she could get with Lord of the Rings because okay. she liked that series. So her higher power was Gandalf. There it is. Which I accept. Yeah. But that's fine. That's, if you're going to pick one, that's a good enough. That's good enough. Um, and so it, it was, my experience has been peppered with people who helped me get to a place where I had a conception of God because it was just kind of a hodgepodge of beliefs. Um, and it might have looked a lot like that Santa Claus God who maybe lived in my room or mm-hmm. something. Um, I have a memory of my friend Joe, uh, who has passed, who had this really amazing explanation. And he said, if you imagine God like cell phone service, everybody's got a different phone. Everybody has a different plan. Everybody uses their phone differently for different things. Mm-hmm. We have different providers, but we all connect in the same way. There's all there's one big grid, and we connect into that grid. And it's not about how you connect, but it's about connecting. And that was an excellent starting point for yeah. me early, early in it my It gave journey. you a visual illustration to really kind of see how that would Absolutely. work. Absolutely. So it's, it's like an interconnecting web yeah. almost. Um, further on in that process, my friend Jeff had this really amazing illustration this visual that I kind of hold on to today, even though we're back in the Catholic church and it doesn't really have a look, Mm -hmm. an idea of what God's supposed to look like. So he said, 
I've got this idea that there's this eight foot tall or nine foot tall, I don't remember what he said, being, invisible being behind me at all times. And it's big and it's strong and it's powerful. And it follows me wherever I go. And I can turn around and in times of desperation or in times of fear or in times of confusion and say, Do we, have we got this, God? We've got this? Okay. Mm. And then I can go forward because God is always with me. Yeah, that and, presence. And so that is something that, I've really held on to, and that's probably the God, the concept of a higher power that I will teach my children. Yeah. That that's you, easy to understand as a right. child. Yeah. You're never alone. We don't have to get into like imaginary friends and ghosts and whatever, but the idea that you're never alone and God is always there. Because I have, I have those memories of feeling alone. Yeah. Not because I had bad parents or because there was something wrong with me. It just, my brain was working faster than, I had questions faster than the answers could come up. There you go. That makes a lot of sense. I I think that so many people have this particular story. If we talk about the bulk of people, there is a transition that has to happen from whatever you had as a youth, whatever you had as a young adult, when you're genuinely trying to figure out who you are, let alone you know who the creator or, or if there's a creator of the universe, until you get into these stages as an adult where you really start to see who you believe in, what you believe in, and how you believe in it, and why. You know, you have all of the questions. So I personally, I am a, I, I'm Christian. I believe in the, in the Bible. I think that there are literal terms. I believe that there are figurative terms. I think that I believe in the creation story. I believe that we had to come from somewhere. I, don't, I believe that God is science. I believe that God made science. I, I venture away from the he conversation because I believe that God is bigger than that. Right. My biggest issue is I feel that we have taken human ways of being able to understand something and applied it to something that is beyond our genuine understanding. And that is where a lot of our fights are coming from. I think it's, well, I understand it this way. And this feels comfortable for me. Well, I understand it this way, and it feels comfortable for me. And then that's where you get first, second, and third Baptist from. Because, you know, everybody went to first Baptist. People there got upset because they didn't believe that, so they went and made second Baptist. And then the people who thought that second Baptist was going to be the fix for first Baptist ended up going to third Baptist, or first Christian, or first Catholic, whatever you want to call it. And yet and still, when you go back to the three main monotheistic beliefs, a lot of the belief systems are exactly the same. I wish that we could get to a point where when we transition our personal beliefs, we still had a level of respect for other people saying, that's not what I feel. Right. You can't change someone's feeling by force. Doesn't work. Your life, your, 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 your story, your testimony is what eventually makes people curious enough to say, huh, I, I want to know more about that for myself. And if they don't, then they don't. You can't force that stuff down people's throats. You can I try. Think, it doesn't work. That's the point that it gets to that point of conflict is someone has their truth and their belief. And if you try to change that, that's their core belief. Mm -hmm. And if you're trying to change that, you're going to, you've got to have like sufficient, not just evidence, but a good enough reason to change it. And it's not you have all like, the you evidence in the world. Yeah. I'm smarter. It's, there has to be a good enough reason for me to seek out a different belief system. Right. And that's not the case in a lot of these debates. In a so. lot of anything. Right. Because right now, I mean, it is, I'm not going to lie, it is hard to say in the world and the situation and the people who are in power all over, it is very hard to say, I identify as Christian. Right. 
because you might as well throw yourself in front of traffic right. because right now the people who are representing Christianity or the people who claim to be Christian just aren't really following along to a lot of the beliefs that tend to line up with that. So I don't know. I think that's harder than anything for me personally is to have, you know, these beliefs that I feel very convicted to have, but the two that I know everyone knows is to love God and to love your neighbor. Right. I don't think anybody deviates from that. Right. So with loving God and loving your neighbor, what does that what does that look like to individuals is kind of scary because it doesn't say love God and love your neighbor as long as they look like you vote like you smell like you talk like you raise like you and that to me has been very heartbreaking it's right. been heartbreaking to watch so talk more about you know you have this transition you went through God as a genie phase you find him as you know more of a being that created and now you have this pillar of God who walks around with you day and night that kind of directs helps helps to direct your steps and you rely on that how is how do you feel that that transition has worked do you feel that this is this is kind of normal do you feel abnormal do you feel that you have more do you feel like you have more spirituality than most what is your thought I would like to think that I have more spirituality than most, not because I'm holier than thou, Mm -hmm. but because I have had to think about it a lot and I've had to talk about it a lot. And I've had in my life had to have people come or have, have had the grace of people coming to me and saying, how do I get what you, what you have? How do we do that? And that has been amazing. Um, I heard a, a guy talk once about, um, living with faith and how that's more, it's a relief that I, I used to think that I had to control, not that I had to control everything, but that I did control everything. That if something was going to happen, I had to affect change to make it happen. And now I have to live in a place where things are going to happen. And a little shout out to therapy too. Uh, Always, (laughs) always shout out to therapy. Yeah. Yeah. So the idea that things are going to happen and I can accept it, and move forward in a healthy way, or I can live in that resentment and that fear and that hate. Because most of my most of my problems come up from fear. So either I'm not going to get what I want, um, I'm not going. I'm going to lose something I have. I am. You're not going to think enough of me, and that's really what it is. Is I want to be enough, and so that fear that I'm not enough. Well, what's the solution to that fear? spoiler alert, like it's, it's reliance and trust and higher power. Yeah. And so if I'm looking and we kind of, I don't know if I said this while we were recording, but if I seek my vindication and validation from a human, I'm going to be disappointed. If I try to find it in working out or eating or spending money, it's going to fall short or in yourself. Right. Or within just my own self-reliance because that gets me nowhere. I mean, it's a circle and that might be why, we have so many problems with differing religions and that holier-than-thou attitude from these big names in spirituality or in organized religion. Yeah, I had a therapist, my current therapist, um, recommended this amazing book to me, and it's called If You Meet the Buddha on the Road, Kill Him. Oh, goodness. I know. It sounds very intense, um, but it's about false prophets. It's about people who say, you know, if you meet the Buddha... And he tells you he's the Buddha. He's not the Buddha. He's a false prophet. Mm-hmm. Get rid of it. Mm-hmm. 
And so the idea that if you meet someone who says, I have all the answers, I am the spiritual beacon, send me a check and I'll pray for you. Mm. That's not, that is not spirituality. (sighs) And unfortunately, because we live in such a consumer world, because we believe that, you know, our problems should be able to be solved at the drop of a hat. That's a really easy thing to do. Right. My, (laughs) my really good friend, Brett, and I, we talk all the time about if we didn't have a moral compass, how easy it would be (laughs) to be prosperity gospel ministers. Like you could, my biggest, listen, my biggest claim to fame, if I ever decide to just be absolutely grimy would be the Jesus hymn. (laughs) Because all you have to do Go to your local fabric store, grab a crap ton of muslin, beat that bad boy up in your washer with some rocks, pour a couple of drops of, you know, fake blood on it, slice it up real thin, sell your Jesus hymn for twenty nine ninety nine. You pray with this in your hand, things happen. <laughs> Shipping is also twenty nine ninety nine. So, you know, there's but that sounds hilarious, but trust and believe if I came out with Jesus, I'd retire in six months six months because people are looking for an easy fix they're looking for a way to get close to a god without having to actually have the relationship right without getting uncomfortable listen because uncomfortable is the word and i listened to a sermon i think i mentioned this on another podcast it costs you something community costs you something and so does relationships relationships there's not a relationship you can have that you don't go into a deficit there's not when you're married you are constantly now mind you don't, don't dismiss the fact that there are pluses. You do get gains, but you have to be willing to be at a deficit as a parent, as, as a student, as a teacher. Well, you have to be willing to give something up. And there's no difference when it comes to religion. There's no difference when it comes to spirituality with a higher power. You're going to have to give up something to align with whatever belief system you decide is your own. And if it doesn't call you to give something up, I, okay. Right. What are you really doing? Right. But I love what you said earlier, going back to it, you said that you've had, the reason why you feel that you are have more spirituality is because you've had to rely on and you've had to go to it. You've had to find yourself in situations where that was what you genuinely had to hold on to. And so many people, I think one of the most popular illustrations in the Bible is that of the prodigal son. It really gets overused and kind of overpreached um, to shame people, uh, but I love the fact that I've heard it numerous times. You know, you have kids that grew up in church, you know, married the person they knew in church, raised their kids in church, and they get to this pinnacle of life where they're basically living for Sundays and they don't want to have anything to do with the world. And they're very much the prodigal son's brother who, you know, right. is upset that, well, he did all these things and we're not going to punish him. Well, forgiveness and faith and understanding that everyone deserves absolutely nothing but God gives absolutely everything like that deserving quality and that deserving mindset of well you don't deserve God and I had another podcaster say you know it shocked me I mean I literally probably jumped out of my skin because she says I prayed over the food that morning because we were talking and she says you know I feel like I don't deserve to pray and I stopped and I, I think it shook me more than I let on because I thought wow how many people have that thought process? She says, well, I don't, I don't want to just use it when, when I need it. So if I'm not doing on a regular basis, then how, how do I get to plug into that? How do, I, how do I have access to that? If I'm not, if I didn't put the money in the account, how do I go make the withdrawals? Right. But that's, that, I mean, it hurt my heart because I love the fact, if there's nothing more I love is that it's a gift. It's, it's not a, 
It's not a transaction. You know, God's grace is not a transaction. It's not something that you have to earn. It's genuinely a gift. And within the in the situation of the prodigal son, you have this father every single day. His son, absolutely grimy as he could be. Hey, dad, you're not dead yet. Give me all the money I'd get when you die. Goes out, just does it up big, and then realizes, ooh, this is kind of dicey. Even before he made the decision to come back, his father stood on the porch every day, every evening, waited just to see if he could see a glimmer of him because all he wanted was his son back. He didn't want to banish him or to discipline him. He just wanted his son back. And I think having that feeling that God genuinely wants me at all times is crazy about me, thinks that I am a masterpiece, thinks that I am worth it, is pretty impressive. And I think sometimes because of our life today, we don't think we're worth it. We don't think that we deserve that. And so it's really easy to get, it's really hard to get close to a God who would think that about you. I'm there. I'm there. I've had, I'm following. I am picking up what what you're putting down. Yeah. Yeah. So there's this idea that we all have that God is, you know, exactly what we would pick out. But really and truly, God is everything else. The only thing I have control over are the thoughts I entertain, not just the thoughts I have, Mm -hmm. but the thoughts that I like invest in and the actions I take. God is everything else. Yeah. I have, I firmly believe that God is either everything. Or he is nothing. Right. And I cannot live with the idea that God is nothing. That this is just, you know, we say endlessly rushing nowhere. Endlessly rushing. Because that's what this is. I'm a respecter of nature. I I, I understand the concept of mother nature. I understand the concept of, you know, that, that loose higher power that a lot of people have decided to cling to. It's a very safe thought process. Um, You be good to people. And goodness will come to you. I I feel like that's true. I feel like, you know, you reap what you sow. The law of sowing and reaping applies to everyone. If you put, you know, tulips in the ground, don't expect to get a rose bush. So if you are putting good into the earth, I believe that you'll get good. I don't think that exempts you from bad things happening. So I can understand how people say, no, no, I don't believe in God, but I know that there's an energy. Cool. I think we're saying the same thing. Now, how I've decided to filter that down and say, okay, let me do a little bit more digging. What does that look like? What does that mean? And for me, it ends up being a redemption story. And for you, it ends up being, you know, worshiping at the foot of nature and understanding that you you have a cause or, you know, you need to be good so that you can come back as something. I get where that comes from. It's just not how I've decided to form my belief system. But that in and of itself is a form of worship. Correct. I am worshiping at the power and awe of nature. Why is that tree there? Who knows why that tree is there? I'm sure some animal was eating some tree things, left some little gifts, Mm -hmm. and it grew into a tree. That's fine. Why do we have trees? And I'm not trying to get like, you know, drum circles circa Jenny 19 or, you know, 2006. (laughs) I'm not trying to go there. But... You don't put a little burlap on, little ashes everywhere? No, no. No Birkenstocks today. I'm I'm wearing some tennis shoes. Good job. So so the idea that that tree is there for the sole purpose of being a tree, Mm. that is enough for me if I really get down to it. Why is there a tree? Who put that tree there? And not just who planted that tree, but why did that tree grow? Among all the other seeds, why did that that tree grow? grow and why is it exactly where it is and I keep looking out Kanisha's windows to see a big beautiful tree in the backyard because that in and of itself can be enough it can be a place to start to find some kind of path and some kind of 
way to live that doesn't have to be that, hey, I'm alone. Because I think that fundamentally is why people look for God, because they don't want to be alone. And that's fine. I mean, that's that's a good enough it's a, reason. It's a good start. And I know plenty of people who don't have God who are Phenomenal amazing human beings. people. Some Phenomenal human beings. Right. Hands it's not down. what works for me. Hands down. And if that's, I, I, and I always love to talk to people. It's funny how some people who do have religion have made a decision that people who don't have religion aren't, you can't form a relationship with them. Well, opposite. If anything, I want to learn more about how you're able to process through the world with your belief system because it's going to add to me. And hopefully my belief system will help to add to you. I think that there's always going to be bonuses in that. Like, and what you said about, you know, a small thing as far as, you know, seeing a tree and having that thought process of who put it there can create a relationship with a spiritual thought process. I was just talking to my son in the car uh, yesterday, I believe. And I said, I tell you one of the reasons I believe that we were created by something that cares. We have taste buds we can see in color. The, these things are not absolute. You, there are plenty of people right now who could come to you who are absolutely colorblind. There's people who, you know, they for some reason don't have, you know, the sensories to be able to smell or eat things and taste, and they taste well. You can take medicine that will make you not be able to taste food, and your life is, you don't die, but it's not as enjoyable. We don't have to enjoy life to be alive. Right. There's pl- unfortunately there's plenty of people who are living that truth right now, but that's the truth. <laughs> <laughs> but little things like I told him I said think about it I said you eat oatmeal by the buckets I can't stand the taste of it why 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 would it be so different for so many people to where you can get a hundred people in the room and they're never all going to like the same things or they're never all going to want to taste the same things. You've got people who, you know, love the taste of fresh this, other people who break out. You've got people who eat peanuts by the handfuls, other people who will absolutely die if they smell them. When you think of that, someone had to, something had to have said, this would be enjoyable. Right. Enjoy it. It's, it's fullness. It breaks your heart joy. You don't have to enjoy life to live. So that thought process, because I'm a creator, and I think, you know, I could take pictures of people's babies and they not have the detail and the, 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 the beauty of it. It could just be a picture of your baby. I could have that job. Nobody would pay me. <laughs> They're looking for the enjoyment of seeing their baby in a beautiful, in a beautiful setting, and being able to treasure that it's an enjoyment. So creating something instead of just per, just instead of just churning something out means more to me, and that's why I think it connects me to God. I I love this. I love it. so funny story. <laughs> and this this is always how my my friend's son. I hang out with him all the time. His name is Zeke. Hilarious child, absolutely hilarious. He's extremely literal. Um, <laughs> And he, he speaks his mind. He's a speaker of his mind. So one day we're in Qdoba. Uh, a friend of mine, because everybody knows I use the hashtag fix it Jesus often because sometimes that's the only person who can. Um, <laughs> Truth. There. Facts. So I had, for my birthday, I, she had a sweatshirt made that says hashtag fix it Jesus, but it's got like the silhouette of Jesus. Like it's just a black outline. And so we're in the bathroom. I had to take Zeke to the bathroom. And so he's sitting on the toilet and he's looking at my sweatshirt. He goes, who is that? I said, oh. That's Jesus. He goes, that's not Jesus. I said, well, it's white Jesus. And he goes, that's white Jesus? I said, 
I said, yeah, I got white Jesus on my shirt. So I'm cracking up. So we finished washing our hands. We're walking out of the bathroom in a full-packed lunchroom Qdoba. And he goes, I do not like white Jesus. <laughs> and his mom is standing in the line. She turns around like, what? She probably turned around. She's like, oh, that's my kid. As he walks out of the bathroom with his black aunt. And I'm just like, yep, that was my fault. Zeke does not like white Jesus. I apologize, ladies and gentlemen, for ruining, <laughs> ruining, your, ruining your thought process about the greater power. But, you know, <laughs> I joke all the time that, you know, Jesus didn't look like that. But these small things, how people can't see past their own thought process of what Jesus looks like. You know, I go to predominantly white church, and I had to send an email one, one Christmas. I was like, listen, y'all put that little porcelain light baby Jesus out, out next year. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to steal him. I'm just going to steal him. Stop putting blonde-haired, uh, blonde blue-eyed baby Jesus out here. Cut it out. Quick. Jesus didn't look like that. You know it. I know it. So I'm slightly controversial as a human being. You know, so I was reading a story last night. Blew my mind. It's on the research of disgustology. Huh. Brace yourself. So the scientists saw that there's a correlation between people's conservative versus liberalism, um, sometimes their religious beliefs, their, their lifestyles, based upon their reaction to viewing disgusting images. Also, their taste bud receptors have people who have this discussology thought process have more taste bud receptors that can point out sour and bitter flavors. So it's not just the visual of disgust. It's also the taste of disgust. And disgust is an unconscious thing. Like, you can focus on your anger. You can focus on your, you know, your sadness or your happiness. But disgust is kind of this one that sits off to the side. But it immediately changes your perception of everything once it's been activated. Get, get ready for this. So they have a group of people come in. They show them pictures, like like open, you know, carcasses and, um, you know, people vomiting. So just, just things that make you immediately, oh, you know, that, that disgust factor. The mo- so where do you think this is going? I don't know. I don't know. I'm concerned. <laughs> so the more of a reaction, the more visceral reaction that people had to disgust, the more conservative they were by 95%. Like ninety five percent of the time, they can almost they can tell people. And so, right after they saw all these pictures, they immediately had to answer these, you know, questions that kind of put them into the you know extreme conservative, extreme liberal, and everything in between. Ninety five percent of people who were extremely conservative to conservative had a much stronger reaction to disgust. I'm enamored at this point. Enamored. Have to keep reading. So they try it with other things. So they give them these little papers that they put in their mouth um, to find out if they can taste these bitters and sours. Over 88% of people who identify as conservative or more conservative can taste bitter and sour. But <laughs> Floored. I was floored. So then I'm like, okay, you got to get to the point where you explain this because I need to know why. Because I feel like I have really, really like crazy reactions to gross stuff. Like if somebody throws up, I'm throwing up, hands down. It's, I'm, a, I'm a sympathy vomiter. I'm unfazed. Unfazed. <laughs> College was also rough for me. Hey, so, that, that's so what it is. There might that's be a little desensitization. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> so what, it's, what, it, what the claim was is that disgust is a knee-jerk response that keeps us um, from infection. 
So you're not supposed to touch an animal whose carcass is open because there's a good chance that there's a bacteria and infection. So your body immediately has disgust so that you stay away from it. If you see someone vomiting, there's a good chance they're sick. So what do you do? You withdraw from it because there's a, a reaction that tells you you don't want to be what, what they are. If you taste something that is bitter or sour, there's a, there's a jerk in your mind that says this may make you sick. So you have a reaction to spit it out or to, ugh, ugh, ah, I can't eat that. And so then they had them to where the people sat at a clean table and filled out paperwork. And then they had them sit at a table that had like sticky stuff all over it. And, you know, they had to like find a place to use it. And then as the, when they read the responses, people who sat at the dirty table who were conservative had far more strong responses than people who are a little bit more liberal because being in that surrounding of disgust made them so much more aware of the things that they didn't like. So it's it claimed to say that there's a good possibility <laughs> that, no, you're fine, that conservative is, it's a safeguard. This could be bad. We don't want to be taken over. So then when you think of our unfortunate, I guess you could say unfortunate, our perception of, by the media of like immigrants or people who are not like us or people who not speak like us, maybe they have, you know, oh, they might come from a place that doesn't have clean this or they may bring these types of disease. Like that's the, that's the subconscious. So in order to protect yourself, that disgust level goes up and you don't even realize that you're disgusted because of a false pretense. So it's literally fear. It's literally fe fear. This is a genetic, it, it's okay. passed down genetically. So you can't be mad when people, and it's not even that it's a bad thing. Disgust is built to keep us safe. But the extreme of it can cause someone to genuinely feel strongly against something and they don't even know why. But at the same time, let's take the other side of the coin before we have everybody calling us talking about conservatives, you know, all this. No, it's not that. Because this also can take people who are extreme liberals and make them so welcoming to every single thought process that maybe you are not paying attention to things that could be damaging to you or that need to be addressed or that need to be seen. But the thought process that our bodies react to images of disgust can tell us which side of the fence we lay on could not sleep for like 45 minutes because now I'm like I need to know I need to know so question go for it what if you have an exceptionally conservative parent or two exceptionally conservative parents and you start out exceptionally conservative mm -hmm. and then enter the real world and become like exceptionally blazing flag liberal you have to realize that I mean there's there's probably a tendency because there's a difference between thinking something and acting on it. You can have a thought process that's absolutely your subconscious that says, when I see this, it makes me do this. Yeah, that's why You're I'm not in jail. <laughs> Dang it. Dang it. But when you make that decision in your mind, you can do something completely different. That's your decision on how you're going to act. So you may have been raised extremely conservative. You may have had the thought process to be extremely conservative as a person. But by the time you experience some stuff, by the time disgust wasn't there as harshly, by the time you realize that sometimes disgust comes with a story, sometimes disgust has a past, that probably lowered enough for you to be accepting, especially if your life story comes with a lot of things where people might be disgusted at you. All right. 
all of a sudden you're like, mm, but do you know how I got here? Do you know why I'm like this? Do you know, do you know the struggles that it takes to get through some things? And I think I have that same thought process. Do you know what it's like to not be, you know, the pristine kid who does everything right, who says everything right, who doesn't ask the questions? Well, it makes me a little bit more willing to listen. So experience and education can change those things. It can. But it can also strengthen your disgust if you get the right experiences and you get the right education that's geared toward feeding that thought process. But it also, when you think about, you know, the moral standards of a lot of religious principles, you know, it's, it's a disgust to certain things to keep you morally and physically clean. To, I, was, I was amazed. Amazed. Because, you know, it's almost like having a kid. You know what it's like. Before you had kids, the thought of someone pooping so violently they could feel their sleeves. Mm-hmm. At you. Like. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's you living that one. <laughs> that would have made me run to the hills. Like people who've never had a baby who see these pictures online. Like anytime somebody posts a picture of a really cute baby, they're like, oh, I'm like, that baby poops up its sleeves. That's, <laughs> that's always my comment. That's my comment. That baby will throw up on you. It will. I, it's just. It's un- so once you've been around it as a parent enough, you will catch vomit in your hands and not blink. And I knew I was a changed person. I was walking into St. Matthew's Kroger 10 years ago easily. I was walking I was walking out. I'm sorry. I was walking out. This mom and her daughter were walking in. I had all my groceries. I'm pushing them toward my minivan. <laughs> this poor woman. This baby like she's on the mom's on the phone. You could tell it's a really serious conversation. She's dragging this like 4-year-old kid and the little girl's just like, "Mom, mom, mom." Like she's she's going through it. All of a sudden this little girl stops in her tracks just I'm everywhere. And, this, and the mom like, what? like this is not what she needs. You could tell. Without, like, it was seamless how my body moved in ways that I didn't know because on the bottom of my cart were paper towels and water bottles. <laughs> Break open the water, grab a water bottle, rinse her shoes off real quick, grab a paper towel, rinse her face off, wipe her face down, give her hands, give her mom two or three paper towels and an extra bottle of water. Sorry she got sick. I didn't get nauseous until I got to my car and realized I just touched somebody else's kid's vomit. I'm clearly going to need to go get a hepatitis shot. But it was so second nature to just clean this kid's vomit. Like, I was like, whoa, I don't believe what I just did. And I'm sitting in the side of the car going, because you know how you have to, like, breathe? Think about things that smell good. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm looking, did I buy lemon juice? Did I buy lemon juice? Put some in my mouth. Like, Where's the hand sanitizer? Yeah, something, something, something. <laughs> but before kids, I'd have kept walking and been like, ooh. <laughs> just turned your cart and gone yeah. back into Target. No, no, no. They're not allowed to come mm-hmm. in here. No, just hey, so you know. Hey, they've got the plague. You don't want that. Because you better believe that mom was, like, she's, st- I don't even know what she did. Like, I couldn't, I'm putting my groceries in the car. She's still trying to end the phone call. <laughs> Being a parent never lets you be great. Like, no. you are always no. losing. Uh-huh. You're always, and the second you think you're winning, that's when you're really losing. Yeah. So I watched her just stand there and lose. It was pretty hilarious. So that, I, I really like, did you have anything else you wanted to add before we moved on? Thank you. Thank you for bringing that topic. I think it was great. I think we had just enough to where not everybody and their mom's going to lose their mind. Yeah. We talked about God, yeah. you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all that great stuff. Listen, I believe that your belief is your best interest. You want to believe what you need to believe. Go for it. However, if you have questions, if you want to research, do that. Dig deep. Find out what you want to talk about.
Find out how you want to believe. sources. Please do. Please do. And then look at the people who you want to emulate. Look at the people who are living the lives, serving their community, or doing whatever it is you feel is necessary. And then see how you want to add to that. I hear you, Hudson. Talk about it, buddy. All right. So we're going to move on here with a quick break real fast for a Fisher life story. So you follow me on Facebook. Yes. Do you happen to have a particular favorite Kenesha family moment. You don't have to. It's okay. No pressure. But um, I always try to reflect on the ridiculousness that is my children, just so that I stay humble. Now that we're talking about kids never let you be great. So anything you could think of that I've posted either recently or in the past, and you've been like, every time I think about that, it makes me realize I'm either a great parent or Kenesha genuinely needs a massage. <laughs> uh, definitely. They're, they're absolutely my favorite is when you told your twins to get ready and one of them didn't have on pants. Mm. And his brother did, so he he took some action. He hmm. <laughs> I can Thanks, tell Jenny. you're really proud Thanks, of that Jenny. one. Yeah. Jenny, speaking of the time where Case and Kylan, who are identical twins, um, I, I love them both. Equ- uh, okay, I love them both. <laughs> <laughs> they are just—it's it, like they split down the emotional center. So you have Case, who is logic, engineering-minded, very, very analytical, can do math that he's not even been taught yet. You have Kylan, who is full of discernment, really, really good about reading a room, compassionate, but also a little quirky. So they come downstairs. Uh, we're in a hurry. Chaos is freaking out, as usual. I can't find my pants. I can't find my pants. I'm like, you have to have on pants before we can leave this house. That's just a non-negotiable. So Kylan's standing in the living room. So he literally just knocks him down, snatches his pants. I can't even speak. Snatches his pants off and puts them on while Kylan's like, those are my pants. Kaya stands there and looks at me like, now what? Hmm. Those, that moment as a mom, like I look off into space so often. Just, And I think I'm saying fix it, Jesus, in my head. Because if I fix it, this is going to be a negative. This is going to be really you might go to jail. There's a good chance. But I, I want to know, what am I doing as a parent to raise you to where you think it's okay to just snatch someone's pants off and keep it pushing? That's my favorite. That is my now favorite. Now that you have two boys, I, I wait for the day when your reactions are the same. Yeah, I, I cannot. I can wait. <laughs> I, can't, I, I bet can't, you can. I bet I you can. I can take my time on that one. Oh, that was a rough one. Thank you for bringing that one back to my memory. You're welcome. Play All breakfast. right. It's fine. So now we're going to play a game of Would You Rather. Super quick. Promise you it won't hurt. It's pretty easy, actually. Would you rather, Jenny Sullivan, would you rather travel to the past and meet your ancestors? Or would you rather travel to the future and meet your great-great-grandchildren? Definitely the future. Really? Because my ancestors were not doing anything good. (laughs) Nothing. I know Absolutely. where they came from. If you want a story about that, I know where they came from. We're going to have to we're gonna have to talk about that one one day, for yeah, sure, for right. sure. Um, whitewater rafting or jumping out of a plane? Mm, do I have to pick? Wow, really? No adventure at all? Come on. I, I'm tr- I just don't want to die. <laughs> so, so, right. How do I stay alive? All right, all right. I'm pretty claustrophobic, and the idea of drowning is like the ultimate fear, so probably the airplane. Gotcha. Okay, that's fair. I've done I've done whitewater rafting. It's not that bad, but I'm mm, jumping out of a plane sounds a little scary to me. Yeah, it's fair. Since you are the middle child, would you rather be the youngest or the oldest? Okay, mm, as only child, <laughs> I love my sisters. Uh, 
That was amazing. Probably, Your face made it. Probably the youngest. Really? Because the, all the experiences, because my parents would have been way more lax. Yeah. Yeah, my, my husband's the youngest. Yeah. Not getting punished for the sins of the oldest. And... It's just not fair. It's just yeah. not fair. Would you rather sew all your own clothes or grow all your own food? Ooh, grow my own food. Yeah, I kill things, so that's not a great idea. We would starve. Six months. We'd be like, here's some more tomatoes, kids. <laughs> tomatoes forever. You're welcome. That's all you're ever going to get. But I can't sew, so that's really my only option. I'd sew my hand clothes if I tried. Would you rather be four foot five or seven foot seven? Four foot five. Really? Yeah. Yeah. You- oh, because of the life expectancy for someone super tall. If you're that tall... You might have something going on with your body. But if you're four foot five and you have to live forever finding step stools to get anything, like that sounds pretty terrible too. I'm pretty sure people who are four foot five can climb. That's That's also scary. A learned behavior. Maybe I just come from Team Tall and I'm just, I've been here for so long. Oh, I'm I'm tall. Yeah, you are, but like you'd rather be short. I want to fit in beds. I mean, just get two beds. Just lay across the, uh, okay, next. Okay, because we could be here all day. We're going to bring up your second topic, which is also absolutely phenomenal. Other side of the spectrum. Plot holes in children's media. First of all, that says something. Because I, I immediately understood what you meant as a parent who has watched far too much children's television, as a parent who understands that, you know, you all have to deal with YouTube. I didn't even have that when my kids were little. YouTube and Netflix and everybody has a way to have some type of media is hilarious. Or, you know, you're reading these children's books. You're like, you can't. This doesn't work. <laughs> the, next, the, the night Max wore his wolf suit and made mischief of one kind and another, and you, I call you a wild thing, and you say, I'll eat you up. Listen, Max, we're going to have a whole sit down. Right. This is not going to work for me. In a therapist's office. (laughs) First of all, you're chasing the dog. You're tearing stuff up. This is awful. Max needs a whole time out. She sent him to bed. I feel her. She did her best. She's probably tired of looking at him. Yeah. He's over here. (laughs) Go to bed. You're not eating. And then she fell back. She's like, I'll just get him dinner. It's fine. Spoiler alert. She gets him dinner at the end of the book. So what are some of your best plot holes? You and your your husband are sitting at home just like, nope, that's not going to work. Uh-uh, that's not true. We discuss more because I have a four-year-old little boy who is either an animal or a car at any moment Hmm. or a 35-year-old. We discuss because we've seen a lot of the Cars universe. And I'm... I'm not one to judge, but Cars 2, we can just go ahead Cars and take Cars 2 is out awful. Of the it's the worst. Cars Terrible. 3, phenomenal. Terrible. Yeah, right. Cars 1, life-changing. Right. Cars 2, why did we make it? Yeah, so we don't even have to talk about that. Perfect. That's its own plot hole. Yeah. <laughs> what what <laughs> happened? Was everybody, do we have a bad day? Right. Pixar just threw, threw down the gauntlet and yep. says we quit. Yep. Okay. Yep. That was the B-string of all the Pixar producers. It was so bad. It was really it was terrible. So really terrible. And then my child asked to watch it. I'm like, we don't even have that. I don't even have a way to get that. Because I love you. <laughs> and I care I love too much me. about you. Yeah. <laughs> right. So there are a lot of questions that come up with the Cars universe, and we kind of discussed these. How do, why are they living cars? They're still in the same universe where there are small enough buildings built for humans to go inside. They all have doorways. They have actual doors. Do they? On these bu- oh, yeah. On these doors. <gasps> they okay. do. And they have why? garage doors, too, but they also right. have regular doors. But there's no people. Right. Nope. There's no people. Now, we do have shows that do have people that are vehicle universes, and we can talk about those. But this Cars universe, like, there are lots of theories on Reddit. I didn't go down that rabbit hole, but my husband did, and Mm -hmm. so I've heard a lot about it. Of course. But, like, why do they have eyes? Why do those cars have tongues? Oh. Yeah. I mean, they have mouths, so why wouldn't they have tongues in them? 
But they don't. But that's not how they eat. Because they use the gas pump. Uh-huh. <gasps> uh-huh. So do they all have, I mean, is that like a port or something? How does that work out? Yeah. Think about it. They have hotels. Uh-huh. They're cars. Why do they need hotels? They, so, so are you homeless if you don't sleep in a house, but you're a car? Like, there are questions. Because the fire truck no sleeps outside, but he's outside of the fire station. I thought, do I, did I make this up? I don't, this is, no, this is terrible. Why would you do this? Why would you bring this to my brain? Because, I mean, I was fine with plot twists, but now you all have gone to the next level. I'm sitting over here like, when is Caillou going to grow hair? His sister got bigger. He didn't. These are things. Why does Daniel Tiger's parents not have pants on? Why do they have tiger striped curtains? Like, why? these are things that mess with me. You're over here like, why are, are the cars in Cars movie homeless if they don't stay in a house? Are they people who lived in their cars long enough because it's a post-apocalyptic To where they just line, became the car. where they became one with the car. That that one hurts then, me a little. But then, no. we kind of discussed this. No. There's a scene in Cars 1 where there, where Mac, the mm-hmm. truck, if you haven't really seen that, you, you're okay. I've watched this 50,000 times. Yeah. Right, right. He's passed by a minivan mm-hmm. with a mattress strapped to the top. Yeah, okay. Where did that mattress come from? Why does that minivan meet, need the mattress? So that minivan gets off at the next exit, throws the mattress down, and gets on top of it. Couldn't they make something a little more practical than a mattress? And none of the other vehicles have mattresses, so they just sleep on the ground? Where did he find that mattress? But but Lightning McQueen sleeps in the truck because he was asleep in Mac, like, when he was driving. No mattress. There was no mattress. He was on a track, like, where he was. Questions. So many. Mm -hmm. So many questions. So there's another car vehicle universe, Mm -hmm. uh, Blaze and the Monster Machines. This sounds terrible. It's, It's pretty legit. Okay. It is uh, it teaches like science and physics and math and that kind of thing, and there are songs for everything. And now there's always songs. Yeah, the fact that our children aren't just one big musical by the time they get to kindergarten right. is really surprising. I mean, I know all the songs. There's That's the fair. space that things take up. That's volume. I know that. Uh-huh. Velocity space. is the path that something travels when it's flying through the air. And you probably would not have been able to say that before no. you watched the show. One hundred percent negative. But okay, so here's the thing. There's nothing but monster trucks and cars and. Maybe some planes. I'm sure in later seasons they have like mech suits. Like things get serious there. There are two humans. In the entire show. Yes, in the entire show. There's a little boy and he drives Blaze, the main character. Nope. And there's a little girl who's a mechanic. Now I'm going to make this serious. No, it's great. It's great. Okay, that's awesome. She's all purple, but you know, whatever. I mean, whatever. It's fine. She's a mechanic. My husband has this question. I don't know if you're going to want to hear this or not. I probably do. Are they a breeding <gasps> pair? Because what happens if there's no more? Then yeah. what happens? We yeah, have to wait for them to it. grow up and make babies. Is this just in their in their town? They only need two humans. Oh no! And then the cars don't. like make them like trap them and make them make more humans for the next town. Yes, and they ship their. Do humans the cars off. have babies? I, that has not even been ex- explained. But I will tell you this: there's an episode where there are dinosaurs because there's like a dinosaur universe within this town. It's fine. I have questions about that too, Maybe, but I've accepted yeah. it. And those little baby dinosaurs hatch out of little baby dinosaur eggs. And they're dinosaur vehicles. Yeah. So if you, I I really wish that this was also a video series because I think my facial expressions are definitely being lost on, on, on the sound. That's bananas. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then like dinosaur train, I used to watch that all the time. You know, where the dinosaur trains, you got the pteranodons, they, you know, find this egg, buddy. well, they didn't find it. It was just in the nest one day. You, you meet buddy's mom. I don't know if you've seen that episode. I might've been, my kids may have grown up. They don't say it's buddy's mom, but but she is a forgetful train wreck of a T-Rex mom. 
And you just know. So she just laid this egg. She's just misplacing her stuff all the time. You know that's Buddy's she mom. She laid a whole egg and didn't even think about it. Mm-hmm. Mrs. Tyranidine probably is not judging at all. She's probably right. like, oh, it's cool. You know, he's great. He's just yeah. like us. He's having a better life. We've met you. Mm, mm-hmm. That's real. She doesn't even realize it's her kid. No, she's fine. She's That's accepting right there. That's accepting. I feel like we're teaching action. kids a lot right. by watching these shows. Now, I will tell you one of my favorite, favorite children's movies out is Inside Out. Like mm. that movie, yes. life changing. Like if you haven't, I know I said this before. If you haven't seen Inside Out, stop your life and do this. It explains everything. It explains everything about how we work, about how you know mental stuff happens, about how we process. You need to see the movie. It'll change you. But Pixar came at Disney in a hole. Like made a turn. Right as they came out with Frozen, Disney made a decision. They had to. Well, right, it started with Brave actually, but Brave just really got it got. It's kind of sideswiped, but but Frozen and Brave came out. I think like a year and a half apart. The advertising for it was genius. They told you nothing about either movie, nothing. But both times they were trying to get away from the princess mentality. They were like, "Hey, do your thing." So Frozen came out. I'm sit. I go. I go to see the movie Frozen. I know it has some ice. There's a snowman. That's all I know. I don't know anything about the plot because they didn't tell you. They told you nothing about Frozen. Smart move, Disney. So I go to see Frozen. Here you have Anna. She's just like all doughy-eyed. And, you know, she starts the song with, you know, oh boy, the Prince Han. And so she, you know, they decide that they're meant to be. And they come to her sister to get her blessing. (laughs) Listen, Elsa said, she says, Elsa, I just want you to meet Han. You know, we're going to get married and we need your blessing. Elsa looked at her and, like, if she could have said the B word right then, she would have. Because she was like, so... She says, you can't marry someone you just met. I had to turn the show. I had to test. I almost walked out of the movie theater. Wait, did Disney just, you can't. That's been your thing. That's who you are. Disney, Disney had a God experience. Disney was like, he's no longer Santa. God is God. So like from then on, Disney was like, we're going to show you what it means to slowly but surely come away from something you've always said, always believed in and absolutely make it something different. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. And Disney, Pixar has been killing it. So when they came out with um, The Good Dinosaur, which, listen, if you haven't seen it and you do not, I don't cry. I'm not a big crier. I'm a baby. I haven't seen it because I've heard. Ooh, that one will get you. And, you know, Disney still continues the the tradition of killing people's parents. They may have changed as far as, you know, being a little bit more feminist, but they'll still knock your parents off first ep- first 15 minutes. Gotta give them character. Every single time. So in The Good Dinosaur, what got me about it, before the movie even started, because The Good Dinosaur is basically like, okay, meteor doesn't hit, didn't hit, dinosaurs and people become cool, this is what happens. So basically, this is a knock on evolution, but then at the beginning, they open it up with a short that's basically showing a father and a son of Indian heritage going through their um, ritual as far as worship is concerned. And I was like, wait a minute, Disney. You just got somebody to basically watch, I believe it's Hindu, to basically watch a Hindu spiritual um, ceremony and then watch a movie about evolution? What? Like I was- you slow clap? I was like- slow clap after. Yeah. Y'all got him. You got him, Disney. Good job. Disney has just been like, hey, we're going to just accept- we're just going to accept people, and that's what it's going to be. I'm for it. I'm a fan. So, I mean, Disney definitely has its issues 
but so does PBS. So does everybody. You gotta. You all have to. Look, if you're gonna make a children's program, you have to understand we're we're being made to watch it, uh-huh. whether we want to or not. You're gonna have to come up with some answers so that we can get our lives together. Fair enough. <laughs> Any other shows you can think of? Because I know all of my music because of Little Einsteins. Like, I know all the, the words, Allegro and, um, what is it, Staccato and all that stuff. I know what those mean because of Little Einsteins. I had to watch it with the kid. And that's probably why he's in music now, because that's all we ever watched. That and Cinderella 3 for some reason. I don't know why they had three of them. Just terrible. They, they uh, definitely maxed out at that first one. So, <laughs> we kind of touched on this before, but... Uh, the Clifford saga. Oh gosh. Okay, so there's not just books. So we have we have the books where most of them are when Clifford is an adult dog. Right. Then there's Clifford Puppy Days. Mm-hmm. Okay. But there are also two shows and various movies, I'm sure. I know. I know you like Clifford too. It's okay. He's like, Are we gonna watch it's it fussing. now? Are we gonna watch it now? Please. If this is his fussing, you are a very blessed human being. Oh, it's not. Okay. This is just him talking. Oh, this is the beginning. Yeah. This is where it starts. <laughs> um so Clifford has the regular Clifford show. Everybody knows Clifford needed Emily. Yeah. That kind of thing. It's a, Which is I weird. I sing you the song, but yeah. I won't. There is also Clifford Puppy Days. No. Okay, so Clifford Puppy Days, Clifford and Emily Elizabeth live in an apartment. Double name people. I love it. his family, or with her family, and they have neighbors and friends. And Emily Elizabeth has a bunny named Daffodil. Daffodil's got some attitude. She She is... She probably has an attitude because she has this big dog. And it's going to be bigger. He's a puppy. He's a tiny dog. She doesn't even know because while Clifford is living in this apartment, he never grows. So Emily probably didn't love him at that point. Something had to change. She had to have that spiritual experience there to start loving him because he stays little. He eats out of a teacup, bathes in a teacup. There's a little bit of, of the Clifford puppy story in there. When they move, when when she finally decides to love Clifford and he grows... Daffodil, the bunny, is never mentioned. And I don't know if you know a lot about bunnies, but those have a lifespan. Yeah. Those, they'll live like 20 years. Yeah. They're not they're not brand new. So there's no closure. The the season just the series just stops. There's two seasons, although Amazon will sell it to you in three seasons because they've gotta make some money off pretty of petty. off it's of pretty petty. that. It's petty. Petty for sure. Mm-hmm. Petty Ruxpin. <laughs> Um, so we get to the point where there's no discussion about where Daffodil is. And if you have a smart child, they're going to ask, yeah. where's, where's Daffodil? Daffodil? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Mm. Well, I mean, you know, if you ever watched TGIF when you were growing up, because, you know, you had Family Matters that came on in Step by Step. The, I think it was yesterday was the anniversary of the day that their younger sister went upstairs and then was never seen again. Like they had a younger sister. Nobody called CPS. Nobody Nobody noticed. Nobody noticed. You just That's you what? just dropped off a whole kid. Yeah. You know, because the aunt had like a whole little boy and that was like the new thing. And then she was just gone. You can't do this to us television producers and writers. You can't, you can't pretend like we don't get emotionally invested in people. I'm not really emotionally invested in Clifford, but I have questions. I'll be real honest. I have a time. So then adult Clifford, let's really think about this. He gets big. They move to an island. Think about the ecosystem there, yeah. Kanisha. Think about that. That's a lot of poop. It's a lot of poop. It's a lot of urine. That 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 ground is dead. Yeah. Nothing you will can't ever grow, grow anything there. It's worse than salt. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you you can see patches in your own backyard. We've yeah. got them from yeah. our dogs. Yeah. Dead earth. Think about his hair. Yeah. There's no Roomba in the Saliva. world. Whoa, no, that's yeah. gross. Yeah. Like, what's your grooming fee? We, do you see, I don't know if you've seen the episodes. He gets into the ocean. What? Then he brings that water on. I mean, if so he's just spraying salt dead, water all over the, just yeah. shaking it off. Everybody, there's no sustainable ecosystem there. This doesn't make sense. Yeah. 
We're, we're not fools. Right. But are we? Well, I mean, if you're a Disney so. villain, you have to say fool at least once every movie. That's yeah. what makes you a Disney villain. So, I mean, maybe we're falling for the hype. Because we're still watching it. Our kids are still watching mm-hmm. it. Now I'm going to go and watch all of children's television for the next two weeks and find as many plot holes as I can. Don't. That's Don't. smart. I'm probably going to do it anyway because I'm hard-headed. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for rattling my brain this morning with that because now I'm going to have to go back and review all the shows that I've ever watched and find something wrong with it. Because, like, there's always something wrong, but now I'm going to be like, hmm, wait a minute, this is You're ridiculous. you hypersensitive. Like, Dumbo is my jam, and now I'm just sitting here thinking, nope. I don't want to see that new version. Nope. I, you know what? I am tired of Disney thinking we're stupid. We've seen all these movies. You can't just make them live action and be like, new movie. But then everybody's going to see them. I'm so, I am, I'm standing on an island by myself. It's not covered in Clifford poop. But the truth of the matter is, <laughs> you can't make me just keep paying for the same movies. You just don't have to come up with new movies anymore? That's what we do. Nope, they're, they're, all, they're copying all of our music on, on the radio. I feel like my parents circa 1995 when I was like, this is the jam. They're like, it's not. It was the jam in 1972. Yeah. Toto did it really well. You don't have to keep oh redoing. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Why? Why are we falling for the okie doke? <laughs> What's going on in, like, liberal arts schools? Are you all not teaching these kids how to make new products anymore? They're just like, you know what? What you should do is take everything that already happened and just do it again. Yeah. They'll yeah. pay for it, and then here we are, paying for it. I haven't seen live-action Beauty and the Beast. Not going. Not going to do it. It's all right. No, it was, it was Beauty and the it Beast. Was, it was all right. It was the same movie. It was pretty good. Can Emma Watson actually sing? I mean, yeah. Can she? Yeah, I That's know. kind of surprising. I know. I don't know how I feel. She's good. I don't think I want to see a live-action beast, though. My imagination's just really good. I don't want that. I don't want these issues. That's fair. But my thing is, like, that. I'm not going to get into that, that wormhole, because, like, <laughs> where were his parents when everything turned into stuff? Yeah, he was only, like, 12. Like 17. Yeah. Or, well, one of the two. Like, what happened? Some, some witch turns your kid into an animal. We don't, maybe his parents just went into the town, like went incognito and were like, here's a bitch, you know, <laughs> he took our house. I don't know. Anywho. So we're going to end this with the breakfast breakdown. Just quick questions. Yes or no. Which one? Okay. Sure. Are you a call or a text? A text. Oh, really? Yeah. I love phone calls. Uh, do you prefer rain or snow? Snow. Oh, that's terrible. Shower or bath? Uh, shower. <laughs> Just because of time. Yeah. Yeah, because if you take a bath, somebody's getting in there with you mm-hmm. nowadays. Yeah. yeah. I remember those days. Brunch or fourth meal? Fourth meal. I'm a hobbit. <laughs> yeah. Second breakfast, fourth meal. Yeah. yeah that's there. fair. So, pancakes or French toast? Pancakes. I was going to say, if you said French toast, is all, I'm deleting the whole episode. <laughs> <laughs> Again. You're absolutely amazing. Thanks so much for participating. Thank you all for listening. Jenny, do you have any contact info? I know that you are um, currently the local baby wearers educator professional. Man. So if you need to strap a baby to your body, this is the lady you need to talk to to make sure you can do it right because yeah. that's important. I can help you. So definitely shoot. What contact info do you have to give to anybody? So if you want to contact me via Kentucky and a baby wearers, you're welcome to uh, the Facebook group um, that's just Kentucky Anna, which is one word, and baby wearers, which is also one word. And if you want to contact me in real life, you can just find me on Facebook because I'm not anything fancy. And I'm not going to give out my email address. Boom. It's smart because then people will email you because I have like zero listeners. It's fine. Uh, Jenny (laughs) Sullivan on Facebook. She's a phenomenal woman and definitely will help you wear all of the babies, which I firmly believe in. I was telling her I still have a ring sling like my kid's 15. It's fine. You never know when you're going to need it. Uh, And you can always reach 
the Pancake Podcast. Uh, we are on Instagram as Make You Pancakes Podcast. You can reach with me at Make You Pancakes Podcast at gmail.com and on Facebook at I'll Make You Pancakes Podcast. So thank you again for coming out and bringing me your squishy baby. Hudson, thank you for being so amazing. He's sitting here just staring out the window now. He's like, this is great. It's been the best point of my life. Always, always. And always remember, ladies and gentlemen, when life gets you down, pour a little cheer up on your pancakes. Take care.